This is MC Funk coming to you from the city of nose, dark alleys, where everybody is getting booked because it's the place to be. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week's book, Dan O'Shea's Penance. Can I tell you for a second? <laughs> I love that I say this week's book, because that means we read a book every goddamn week now. I know. It's uh, just how we are. It's how we do. Um, I was at work, and I have a new work location. I was walking out to lunch, and guy says, oh, hey, what do you got? Because I was actually, this is a paper book that we were reading. And I said, oh, it's this week's book. And he's like... You read a book every week? And I was like, yeah, in the slow weeks. Yep. So. Yeah. You told us that in the last episode. Did I? Yeah, you did. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, for those who didn't listen to the last episode, there it is again. There it is. All right. A little bit about the author of Penance, Dan O'Shea. Dan O'Shea is a Chicago area writer. His first two thrillers, Penance and Mammon, will be published by Exhibit A. Drawing on Chicago settings and history, the novels explore the city's history of corruption, but with a national, even international, flavor. He is also the author of Old School, a collection of short fiction published by Snub Nose Press. I haven't had a chance to read anything from Old School yet. Um, I do have it on my Kindle, but with the uh, rigorous schedule of the podcast, haven't had a chance to read any of it. But um, I really dug this book. A little bit of a foreshadowing there. So here's the book we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, the synopsis for Penance we pulled off of Amazon. Born and raised in Chicago, Detective John Lynch might just be about to die there too because one dark secret might be about to tear the whole city apart. A pious old woman steps out of the Sacred Heart Confessional and is shot dead by a sniper with what at first appears to be a miraculous and impossible shot. Colonel Tech Weaver dispatches a team from Langley to put the shooter and anyone else who gets in the way in a body bag before a half century of national secrets are revealed. Detective John Lynch, the son of murdered Chicago cop, finds himself cast into an underworld of political corruption and guilty secrets as he tries to uncover the truth about what's really going on before another innocent citizen gets killed. Can I just start by saying that um, had I have read this synopsis for this book, I probably wouldn't have been very interested in reading it. Think so? Yeah, this is the kind of thing I've, I've strayed away from in, in the last 10 years or so. I spent a lot of time reading this kind of stuff when I was much younger. Yeah, so you kind of got your fill? I think so. I think that, like, I don't know. There's just things now that I don't. like. It's kind of like, and not that this is part of this, it's totally unrelated to this book, but that, like... You know, detective so and so puts away the serial killer, and now there's killings that are starting to happen that resemble it again. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of it's like there are certain things I read, and there's probably two or three of them in the synopsis that would have caused me to put this back on the uh, on the good old shelf at uh, Borders or Barnes and Noble or wherever. No, oh, well, are you thankful that you persevered? Um, yes. Would you like me to do my wrap up? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, Indeed, well, I enjoyed the book. Yeah, and what brought the book to us is that we've known Dan O'Shea for a while. We've mentioned him a few times. He was in that uh, Shotgun Honey anthology, Both Barrels. He was he's been published all over the place, um, and we kind of run in similar circles. So we bumped into him here and there. Uh, he was at the fuckload of Scotch tape 
uh, screening that we were at with uh, Jed Ayers and um, and uh, Kent Gowran and Julian Grant and all those people. So uh, happened to catch a reading that Dan did in promotion of this book and just the chapter that he read alone, which was uh, when we get into talking about the book. Essentially, it runs. Uh, there's some a story back in the 70s. In the early 70s, and then a story that runs in the present day. And Dan had read the first chapter in the early 70s part, and that alone was enough to make me want to read the book. And I was like, eh, I never find time for books outside <laughs> of the ones we review. So um, I really pushed to get it as one of the ones we reviewed. Also, you know, I figured it's probably going to be pretty good based on that chapter, so we might as well get other people reading it as well. Agreed. And thanks to Dan O'Shea for sending me a copy too. Yeah, what a guy, right? Very cool. Um, Rob's first note says, cool cover. Indeed, this is a very, very cool cover. We had a whole conversation about this cover the other night when we were at a call with someone. And uh, I narrowed down, or we narrowed down, kind of together, that it's somewhere on Wacker in Chicago, right by the river. Can't really figure out what the side street of it is. But yeah, it's kind of like an aerial shot of... uh, like city street, like a cross street, and there's like a police car, and there's all this traffic and everything. It's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, a very, very cool cover. One of the things I really enjoyed about this story was knowing um, almost all of the places that are mentioned in it from having you know, been born and raised in Chicago, and that was kind of a very cool treat. Um, I realize that only appeals to people who are in Chicago or who are familiar <laughs> with Chicago. But, you know, I often wonder that because, you know, when you read somebody and they write about, you know, New York or any town, and they start mentioning specific streets that things are going on and not you know, like mentioning Chicago and mentioning Michigan Avenue, but, you know, mentioning New York and not, you know, one of the really big well-known streets, like everything always happens in Central Park in a book in New York, but, you know, you get the (laughs) ones where they're mentioning other areas of the city. Right. And I always wonder if like people who live there have that same type of attachment to. I can imagine there's a level of hometown pride. I just love, that even extends to me for movies and stuff like films that were shot in Chicago or have a Chicago theme to them I love so much more just because of that element maybe we should actually talk about what the story is a little bit absolutely (laughs) Um, so as Rob mentioned it does a a lot of kind of time jumping back and forth uh, because the two stories are are interlinked and one of the reasons they're they're kind of they're linked together is uh, the, the Chicago political system which in this book Although none of the names or anybody who's been a politician in Chicago does seem to to kind of mimic um, the the Chicago political machine, wouldn't you say, Rob? Yeah, definitely um, mimics the way that I think politics has always been portrayed as happening in Chicago. I don't, I'm not a big player in Chicago politics, so I can't say one way or the other if it actually happens that way. But yeah, it's definitely in that flavor. And then obviously the the way that the the mayor. Uh, role specifically has been handed down from generation to generation with this one family, very reminiscent of the Daly family in Chicago. Indeed. So there's a, a detective, our, our hero for the book, John Lynch, um, just gets caught up in you know the the case that he's investigating. Um, points at a lot of things that you know happened in another situation in the past with Chicago that involved a lot of um, high up Chicago politicians and even involved his father who was a who was a Chicago cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So predictably, I mean, one of the overall themes of this is how, you know, corruption and, and 
bad politics and, you know, trying to work for your own gain at the expense of other people probably is going to come back to you at some point. And this is one of those situations, essentially the crimes that are happening in the current day unearth. Yeah. Or at least shine new light on a, on a case in the seventies that got buried, uh, intentionally. And essentially this case in the seventies, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because this is one of my notes that uh, it, it opens with a kind of a crime scene where there's uh, obviously been a murder of a couple people. And then there's some circumstances that, you know, they want covered up. And so they make it look like it was a racially motivated attack from uh, like an activist group, an African-American af- activist group. Not specifically back Black Panthers, but essentially that's what it was. And... Um, in order to cover it up, you know, the mayor in cooperation with some other people cook up this story that has to do with, you know, the racially motivated thing. And in the process, uh, they kill the people who they're framing for the job. So it's like just a nice, tightly wrapped up package, you know, everything got resolved and they can move on with life type of thing. Interesting thing is the black Panther story that, uh, Dan uses in this is actually based in fact, there was a an activist named Fred Hampton uh, in the late 60s, early 70s, who was killed by Chicago police. It was a total, essentially, an assassination, and it's uh, completely grounded in fact. So, essentially, O'Shea took the framework of, of this Black Panther story around this Fred Hampton guy and used it to build kind of a, a, a more, you know, interesting, weird story around. When... Detective Lynch is uh, pursuing his his investigation into this first shooting, and it turns into a second shooting. At any rate, he uh, he kind of pops up on the radar of this. You uh, call him like a black ops government group. You know, they're not actually part right. of any particular fe- uh, you know federal government organization. Um, and some of that, I, I think, is part of the most some of the most interesting stuff in this book because that can get to be very very goofy if it's not done very carefully. You know, like almost like their superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have motivation to put down the shooter, as it says right in the synopsis, you know, before these uh, years and years of government secrets will be revealed because I'm probably not revealing very much. It's chapter two stuff, basically. But the uh, the shooter is someone who, uh, you know, who went rogue from their group. So what we have is Detective Lynch is trying to find the the killer. This other group is trying to find the killer and Lynch is uncovering, you know, who the people are that are behind all of this while he's doing it. And uh, the plot gets to be fairly complicated at times. And there is a pretty big cast of characters, so much so that Mr. O'Shea was nice enough to give us a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, an index of the the people. And if I counted them up, he's probably got about 25 people listed mm-hmm. as the cops and friends, the spooks and the politicians. Um, but yeah, I mean, so uh, the first part kind of getting going into it's a little harder, at least it was a little harder for me to keep people straight, but it, it is done so well that once you're in the middle of the book, it, you, you got the solid hang of it. So yeah, there's a lot going on in this book and, um, yeah, so there's like the Chicago cop, like, uh, it almost feels like, like just your, your standard cop show kind of cop, like he's a real cops cop kind of guy. Uh, but then you got the politicians, and it's like the super corrupt, I guess, typical Chicago corruption type thing, where 
they're you know people are double dealing and taking kickbacks and and all this all this kind of stuff you've also got like Livia said these kind of black ops guys um and then <laughs> i just like stuff like that patty wang guy mm-hmm. who's like uh he's one of the guys and it was cool to have him because he was essentially this character who kind of had his toe in everything and he had a lot of power and influence with i mean everything from local government stuff or local even neighborhood stuff to international dealings i think at one point he was taking (laughs) a meeting with the president about dealings with china or something like that so it's like this guy that lives in chicago who's connected in you know and just kind of has his toes in in everything so um lots of intrigue and political action and stuff like that yeah patty wang was one of my favorite parts of, of the book too and that's why I said, you know, it's like looking back on it, it's not a terribly long book, but there's so, so much that went into it. And and part of what I think makes this a really, really good book is I've read the Black Ops stuff. A lot of times those guys are treated like they have magical powers, you know, where, where they're everywhere at once. And this time they're, they're not, you know, they're they're struggling through what they're doing too. You know, you've got the guy who's almost like this crime kingpin, this Patty Wang guy who comes off typically as some kind of crazy character and he doesn't in this story. You've got all the crazy politics, which doesn't overpower the book at all. I think there's just enough of each of these elements to really, really make a great and interesting story where at the hands of a lot of other people, one of these elements would have so overpowered the other ones that it just wouldn't have been good, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing, too. Like, I think you said it perfectly when you said that, you know, there's just enough. Because, I mean, those are the driving elements of the story. That's really what keeps the engine running. But there's so much other stuff, too, like um, just family stuff and relationship stuff. Uh, You know, you learn about Lynch and his past. And, um, you know, as a reporter and he, you know, the, you know, the the interactions between them, like kind of romantic. Um, His mother's in the hospital. So there's that situation going on. You hear you learn about the history where his father, you know, was killed and everything. So um, in addition to all the intrigue and the, and the, and the major plot with the, the, the investigation of these murders and the, and everything that's happening in the past, there's all this like, like surprisingly well-developed emotional, you know, relationship stuff built in there as well. I mean, it's just, everything got flushed out just enough. Well, yeah, I was again, concerned again, early on, they introduced the, the gonna be girlfriend, the reporter, mm-hmm. and I thought, ah, uh, here's the crappy love interest, and you know, even that was done really well. Yeah, I, just, I don't have a complaint about anything in this book. Yeah, I mean, like it's like he took. I mean, I'm not gonna let's not mince words. He took some tropes here, like, and he just kind of, he 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 didn't try and reinvent the wheel. He took some stuff that works well, and he just made sure he wrote it in a way that, like, you know, it did justice to how that type of thing is supposed to be written in a story. So you've got your basic like you know, hot, you know, female love interest thing. And he didn't do it cheesy. He didn't do it, you know, typical. He just wrote it really authentic. And so he took what could have been just out of place or not done well, and he he really gave it the right amount of attention. Can I tell you what just occurred to me when you said that? Hmm. I was thinking back to us reviewing Richard Thomas's collection. (laughs) (laughs) Starting to picture these characters as the real people they would be. Like what the reporter girl really looks like versus what we're told in the story. Yeah. What the cop looks like. 
and it's like a whole different story now in my head. There's donuts everywhere. There's donuts on tables all over the place. Yeah, but no, I mean that's that's the thing. That's what I said earlier. Reading the synopsis, I would have been like, meh. I've read this a bunch of times, and it's usually just passable, you know. But I was really, really impressed at the elements he was able to weave together to make a really engaging story. And man, like I said, the more we're talking about it, just the more I think he was able to pile into 350-some pages, but have it all addressed, you know. Like, there were no, you know, loose threads. Everything was kind of, you know, rolled up tight at the end. I just It was just done very well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, re- I mean, and the nice thing is, with all these elements, with all these different characters and storylines and subplots and and everything that's going on, it's still like a Detective Lynch story. So it's all happening as it affects or as it re- a- applies to this Detective John Lynch guy. I mean, the setup is is perfect for this is our first look at a guy who we're going to see more books of, and. Um, Let's face it, it says introducing yeah. Detective John Lynch on the cover. <laughs> yeah. So that's usually a giveaway that, yeah, there, there's more coming. And, and rightfully so, there should be. Yeah, but I think the overall point is that, that um, he managed to keep it all relatable. And um, he managed to flesh things out just as much as he needed to. And he balanced everything out. So you got certain amount, amounts of one thing balanced by certain amounts of these other things you had you know the the nice thing too is like i keep going to these black ops people there was a whole lot of time spent talking about guns and you know sniper specific stuff and it wasn't written in a way where i was like come on you're boring me to death with it like we're talking about that dead money book where it was like 10 Mm. pages of writing about gambling in terms that i don't understand and it wasn't like you know that took away from it but this story it just worked, which was good, because that's challenging. I feel like that's those types of part of a story are easy to lose people on. There's even to, just to kind of give an example. I don't remember her name, but there's a, an Asian woman that works with like the covert black ops people. Chen. Yeah, and the first guy described her as like, oh, she's just icy and she creeps me out, which I thought was like, oh, okay, this is kind of a, a you know, like you said, a, a bad trope thing. But then everybody that talks about her has the same reaction, and it just makes it great. <laughs> Like the more often someone says that about her, yeah. the 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 more okay it became. Instead of the one guy just being like totally weirded out by her, she just weirds everybody out. Yep. Um, yeah. And what was that text message that I sent you when I finished the book? Oh, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Pulling this up on my T-Mobile Android phone. Oh come on. <laughs> Try to see if we can get some. Uh, <laughs> I, I watch. I watch. Um, uh, what the hell's card? Shark Tank. And their contract with T-Mobile must be up because every every single episode they had a reason to look something up on their T-Mobile smartphone. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, let's see. It says, finished penance. Fucking solid piece of writing. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this is, you know, it's just really tight. It's just a really tight, really solid book. Really solid story. Yeah, I mean, for a debut novel, this is this is pretty hardcore. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and that's the thing. A lot of this stuff, like, there's a lot of... I mean, it's kind of a, you know... it's He's solving a crime, so there's a lot of stuff that obviously we can't talk too much about. We might have mentioned some things that, in the context of the book, if you were reading and thinking about what we said, maybe that might even spoil a little bit here and there. But, yeah, the, I mean, the overall... Talking about the story, I think we did as much as we can. 
Yeah, I mean, it reminded me a lot of, like, I read a lot of, like, David Morrell when I was younger and stuff like that. And that's what it reminded me of, just really well put together. Not just being, like, a crime story, but almost falls in, like, the men's adventure category. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I know sounds horribly cheesy, but I mean, I read God, dozens and dozens of books, and you know, and from varying from really, really good to really crappy, and this certainly would have would have been in that very, very good pile. Yeah, for sure. So, I know you have some quotes. I don't because it was a paper book. Oh yeah, hold on, while I get that. I'm ready. just gonna start. I'm just gonna bust out a highlighter on paper books from now on. I cringe, but as long as you're not. Dog earring pages. Well, I'd have to find the pages, so I'd have to do both. <laughs> yeah, I do have some quotes, and you'll have to excuse me while I fumble around through my book. But I did, I kind of did a mix of taking them down to my phone and just writing the page number. A um, hmm. couple of quick ones. He was the Lynch at one point talking to a priest about being religious and everything, and he asked the, the priest asked if he was baptized, and he said yes, and he says. The priest says, once you're dipped, you're ours for life. And that was pretty clever. And then this one, all right, and this is something that we didn't really talk too much about, but um, I definitely felt throughout the book that when he does a motion, he just stabs you right in the face with it. Um, <laughs> I just always, always want my emotion. <laughs> there is, um, you know, obviously there's there's shootings and stuff in the in the book, and so as a detective, he has to go talk to you know, the, the survivors of the victim, the surviving family of the victim. And so he's breaking the news to someone and they're talking and obviously they're not taking it well because their you know, mother died. And this is the quote at the end of the conversation. <clears throat> All your life, you've got a mother, then you don't. It's like God dying. Like there's nobody left to please. I did like that very much. And the nice thing is that he brought that sentiment back later. Like he reflected on it, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Here's a quote in the book, and this is one of the Chicago-centric things that, like, having lived in Chicago and been in the city a lot, just, just lo- I love this so much. Uh, it's the the mayor. This is, takes place in the early 70s. This is the mayor talking to one of his aides, I believe, or another politician, about the Picasso uh, sculpture that's in the loop. All right, this is a few paragraphs, so this might take a while. The Picasso, Junior's idea, you know, public art, he says. So we can be a great city like New York or Paris. Like we ain't a great city already. Like I got to put a fucking steel monkey in the middle of the loop so we can be a great city. The reply was, Picasso is genius, subjective as individual works may be, to have his work on so prominent a stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make all the art critics in the world gush about this. Of course, you could move all the art critics in the world in the same damn place and you wouldn't have a city. You'd have a village. Because there's maybe a couple hundred of them and the village wouldn't need an idiot. And then they'd all starve because they don't know how to do nothing. What I like about it, the Picasso, I look out on a nice day in the summer and I see the kids climbing up the slanty part at the bottom and sliding down. Got the parents standing there trying to figure out if it's a baboon or what, and the kids play on it. I like that. Some guy from the Art Institute can tell me I gotta keep the kids off of it, that it was sacrilege or some shit. Scrawny atheist fuck in my office talking about sacrilege. Told him that Picasso might be a drunk and can't keep his pants zipped, but at least, <laughs> at least he can make a decent slide. God damn it. That was all very, uh, very good. <laughs> that's what I like. I mean, like, and you know, that's the kind of conversations that go on behind closed doors is like, we never see the objective reality of how someone really feels like about something when they're in politics. And 
you know that's the type of conversations that happen behind closed doors. God damn it, I thought you were going to say it was the kind of conversations that happen at this podcast behind closed doors. What? Never. <laughs> <laughs> no way, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the language, yeah, the conversational language for, for Chicago, it's more so, I think, in the 70s than in the press. It was, was really terrific. Yeah, and Dan O'Shea, I, you probably haven't heard him talk very much, but that dude has, like, the perfect reading voice for, like, you know crony mm-hmm. chicago corrupt politician type voices it's perfect you have to hear him do a live reading sometime oh i'm sure we will he's on tour right now i think while you were finishing his book he was just leaving la yeah i know he was i kept friends with him on facebook and he was like posting pictures of the balcony of his hotel room and there's like the ocean out the side and he's talking about going to have crab dinners and stuff and i was like i gotta be a writer i'm at taco bell <laughs> i go home and record a podcast in like a dark bedroom Oh, but it has its perks. So you didn't have to go to LA this weekend. That's true. That is that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, um, you ready to wrap this up? Let me see. I might have one or two quick quotes. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right, I got a couple quick other quotes. Um, just some one's a funny one, and one's um, another kind of emotionally serious one. So I'll do the funny one first. Uh, this Fisher guy, from what I hear, he was with a group that's so black it would make the inside of your asshole look well lit. This guy talking about black ops. Pretty uh, obvious what he's talking about. It's very, there, very too. visually descriptive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then here's another emotional kind of quote that I like, and it was just really quick. Um, talking about um, having a dying family member and what it's like to be there. Or when it's like when they're like in their last moments. Um, and it's just a really quick thing. Hard thing to watch, hard thing to miss. And that's really true because if you think about it, like, you know, being there with someone who's dying is terrible. But then the thought of not being there in their last moments also feels really horrible. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, the writing is... is truly solid. I loved all the conversations that uh, Lynch had with Patty Wang. Um, definitely, I'm hoping that the next Lynch book has a little more Patty than uh, <laughs> than this one did. Uh, it's just another one of those great characters. You know, we talked about this with um, I don't remember the character's name, but in Frank Bill's book, there's just characters you wanted more of that you just they just weren't enough. So, oh, that kind of religiousy guy. Um, well, there was the Asian guy. Oh uh, yeah, Fu, Fu, yeah. and then there was the other guy, the um, the one that kind of like see in the could, the future. Yeah, the guy could see shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's you know, but yeah. yeah, that's that's where I'm at with Patty Wang. More Patty Wang, more Patty Wang. And I guess that's the thing about this book is that it's very authentic and genuine feeling. Like that conversation I read about the Picasso, I could see people actually having that conversation. So the dialogue feels very real, the emotion feels very real, the text side very authentic. It was just yeah, like I said before, a really solid story. All right, you want to go ahead and do a wrap-up? Sure. All right, for me, I'll go first. Um, for me, it's like I said, I couldn't find a, a damn thing wrong with this book. I, I uh, you know, guys started reading it, was worried that this was all going to be very, very cliched and very done before, and, and Dan O'Shea really surprised me that uh, and, and gave me something I thought was uh, was original, well-written, 
Um, very intricate, but not enough that, that it really lost me at any given point. I was worried about the number of characters. I was worried about the back and forth in history. All of it. It, it all concerned me through the first third of the book or so. But you know what? He wrapped it all up really nicely. He, he presented a, a really good story. I, I don't think that uh, you know the average person is going to be left behind reading this. Um, great characters. Uh, and like I said before, it was just enough of everything to do it just right. I'm going to give it five stars. Yeah, I'm not going to have much to add to that. Um, essentially, this is your your basic, you know, detective fiction kind of cop drama story. Um, I guess, yeah, adult action fiction, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's a thriller. It, it could be categorized a billion different ways. It kind of means the same thing. Um, but, you know, a story based around a detective and crime solving. And, and damn, if you didn't do a great job of it... Um, I could easily see this. I was almost, and I was thinking about this when I was reading it, it almost has that cinematic quality to it where it's told in a way that translates so well into images in your mind. Um, some books are a lot more cerebral or, you know, just like, you know, um, relying so much on an existing, like that infernal book we just read. I couldn't imagine it so much in my head because there was so much like actual, like, uh, museums and stuff that I don't know what look like, so I couldn't just kind of create it in my mind. But, mm-hmm. you know, having lived in Chicago, this probably helped a lot, but, like, I could really put myself in a scene. And, um, I mean, the characters were written wonderfully. The story was very tight, um, very interesting all the way through. Nothing was extraneous. Everything that was in the book had something to do with something else, was tied into something, um, and and just worked. So, overall... I mean, I wish we could talk more about the story uh, and, and kind of celebrate the, the, the things that were surprises later on in something, but we just, you know, that's not what we do. We want you to enjoy the book, too. So, uh, you know, there's not much more I can say about it, except for it's just a super well-written book. It's a debut novel, and it just, like, knocks it out of the park. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and do, I'm going to do five stars as well. Do you remember when we used to review bad books? <laughs> yeah, I know. Our selection process is greatly improved. Yeah, yeah, I guess that could be it. I don't know. I loved it. I really did. You know what I was thinking is that I barreled through this book faster than I have. I don't remember the last time I read a book this quickly. Yeah. I think I read it in like two sittings. And not like you because I was forced to because <laughs> it was like recording day. Like I had this done by like Monday of last week. Hey, I only read like for 45 minutes today. Which is good. I commend you. But yeah, I just it was just it's a good solid page turner. You know, it doesn't it, it doesn't try to be something. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It, it doesn't try to be more than what it is, which is just like a good you know like police procedural. Yeah. Um, so I, someone recently asked me um, to recommend a good crime story that we'd read recently, and I was trying to think of something that was more. You know, the average crime story, not something like a lot of the books that we read have weird twists to them or mm-hmm. more you know. accessible. Right. So, yeah, I was trying to think of something that's more. Yeah, th- exactly. Accessible. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of coming up short. But if they asked me that tomorrow, I'd say read this book because, I mean, it's perfect. It's got, you know, all the elements, like you said, of like a procedure, like a crime procedural kind of story. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's an excellently written book. So Dan O'Shea. Mm-hmm. Glad you went to the Dan O'Shea reading. Yeah, me too. Glad I uh, was kind of on a whim because it happened right after I worked one day, and I was like, eh, what the hell? It's only a 20-minute drive. Worked out. And I bumped into Kevin Lynn Helmick, 
that's always, you know, we talked about books. You know, we're going to see Dan, Kevin Lynn Helmick soon. No, I don't Where in the book anthology. Oh yes. I thought you meant in person because oh. I thought we were going to see him last, <laughs> last weekend at the Sunday salon reading, but yeah, yes, we are going to see him in, in the book anthology. How's that coming along? Um, it's pretty much done, dude. Cool. There you go. Yeah. We're, so when's it coming out? Soon. Soon. <laughs> soon. Soon. When we know, you'll know. That's right. There might be, I might demand a podcast when we have a date where we just come out and tell you what the date is and that'll be out. That'll be it. Yeah. As soon as we have a date, as soon as we can reasonably say we know this is going to be available, we'll let you guys know. But we've got a ton of really cool stuff in the works right now that I'm not going to talk about. I'm just going to uh, tease it like that. Um, so we'll have some really good announcements coming up. I'm going to throw one more thing in the works. What if we see if, uh, if Dan O'Shea wants to join us for a little bit of a chat? And he might be an interesting guy to have on. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, from the reading, I've got a couple of ideas of things I'd like to elaborate on and uh, the types of things that he likes to talk about. So I think, yeah, it'd be really cool to have him on and get his, I mean, just like the subject matter of this book alone, talking about, you know, politics and corruption in chicago and stuff man <laughs> tell us when you were in black ops tell us yeah. when you were in black ops <laughs> how long were you a sniper <sighs> yeah yes indeed <laughs> for sure so yeah maybe maybe we'll uh maybe we'll put some some feelers out and see if we can make that happen in the upcoming weeks that's right we gotta get him More. while we can i mean if uh if his agent's uh success rate is anything he'll be way too cool for us pretty soon no kidding he's already traveling all over the country Dude, this book is solid. I don't blame him, man. So what else do we have to talk about? Nothing. You know what? You know what I'm wearing right now? A it's book not, anthology shirt? It's not a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I'm wearing a books anthology t-shirt. You know what's great about that? Uh, the, the, no. That the listeners also can be wearing a book anthology t-shirt if they wanted to. God damn it. You know who else could be wearing one if you remember to order one? Uh, you? this guy come on man i'm serious come on yeah all right so we have to lead by example we have to like yeah. you know yeah i know can't I just know. expect people but if you if you're dying to get yourself one of these booked anthology t-shirts or the standard booked t-shirt all you have to do is go to basementshirts.com slash booked both of the t-shirts are available right there and um i think after shipping and tax and everything they come out to around 18 or so dollars um and then shipping goes down if you order more than one. So if you got if you buy one of each, I think you're paying four bucks total for shipping or something. I don't know, but like it's cheaper. It's bulk. We're working on bulk. Cheaper is good. That's right. So bulk. Do they have a bulk size? Because that's what I think I'm gonna need. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't even understand the, the size of the shirt. Uh, yeah, I think they go up to two XL, which is why I'm wearing the shirt. Um, yeah, definitely grab your booked anthology or booked uh, classic T-shirt because Livius is threatening to, uh, you know, discontinue them any day now. So you might, <laughs> you definitely want to get them while you can before you. The value is going to be able to sell them for two hundred eight dollars. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking at that book right now, by the way. Hey, speaking of Joey Camo, um, I'm confirming we're going to be reviewing that here on the show. His uh, his new book, the name escapes me right now. Uh, it's the this, summer is over and yet we are not saved. Something like that. The summer has ended and we are not yet saved. I think that was close. It's a idea. We have a copy in our possession. Thanks to the folks at Cheezine for sending that over to us. So we will be reviewing that. 
um, before the price goes up to two hundred and eight dollars. <laughs> so the cool thing is, all right, and I, this might not be a big deal, but I mean, I'm more just kind of celebrating the author in general. Um, we I was talking before about how the the book that's crazy expensive, two hundred dollars, was published on Create Space, which means it was um, Amazon's kind of self publishing thing. Um, but this new book, the sequel through teasing. It's actually tied in with Harper Collins, which is kind of one of the big, big boys. So, I uh, I hope that means that Joey Camo is moving up in the world of publishing because that'd be awesome for him. Well, he certainly is because we're going to be reviewing him on this show. You want to know something else about this uh, Joey Camo character? I'd love to. He may, at one point, have had dinner with our own Skip Papersley. You know, I was thinking maybe we should have Skip on for that review. I don't think we're going to be able to keep him off. He's going to find my house and <laughs> <laughs> just hijack the airwaves or something. I don't know. He's going to well, hack he's, my Skype account. He, he's welcome if he wants to. <laughs> we haven't had a guest host in, you know, like two months. And, what? Really? When was the last time we had a guest host? For an for an interview? Probably a while. But we've had yeah. guest hosts for reviews. No, David for review. Yeah, what did we review with? Oh, his own book. His own book. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like four uh, episodes ago. I don't know if that qualifies. He didn't rate his own book. Uh, <laughs> I think he gave it five stars, didn't he? Jokingly. I'm sure he did. Either way. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, that's coming up along with a lot of other stuff. Uh, the Ghoul Ava by Todd Brown. Shining Girls by Lauren Bukes. Rake by Scott Phillips. The Ocean at the End of the Lane, maybe, by Neil Gaiman. Fringe, The Zodiac Paradox by Krista Faust. I actually read the... Um, synopsis for that it's a it's a walter and uh belly story oh nice yeah I'm, I, I like from when they're younger i'm just gonna imagine uh can't think of his name now damn it i played spock what the hell is his name leonard nimoy <laughs> oh I, i'm giving up on life i couldn't remember leonard nimoy's name i'm leaving that in just to shame myself <laughs> Uh, while Rob goes to IMDb and uh, re-memorizes, you know, uh, most memorable actors of all time. <laughs> Go get a copy of Penance and come back next week for That Ghoul Ava by Todd Brown. Until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson, who doesn't know who Leonard Nimoy is. Keep reading and prosper. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let